Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. We're glad you're tuning in today as we again highlight the Lordship of Jesus Christ over every aspect of our lives. You know, this, this podcast is a discipleship podcast, meaning our target audience is you as a believer. And what we're trying to highlight is the power and the liberty and the freedom and the blessing that comes from operating uh, from a biblical worldview. And Andrew, as we've tried to, to highlight in the you know, this is a, what I think podcast fifty-two or something like that. So we've been we've been doing this now weekly for a year. Wow! Yeah, well, we've been, yeah. So it, this has been exciting, and what we've tried to highlight, I think, in just about every episode, is that the Christian worldview is comprehensive. It it explains all of life, and here's the beauty of it: there is not one square inch over which Jesus Christ does not declare His lordship. Yeah, and that's a radical concept. Uh, and when you begin as a Christian to live that out, what you realize is it leads to transformational ideas about life and really that the America, while we are far from perfect as a nation, uh, that it's our Christian worldview that has led to uh, unparalleled freedom and liberty and prosperity. Uh, and that's what we trumpet here today. And uh, and I want to talk about something with you. Um, and we got a lot of of evidences of this uh, from the from the news and from articles and so forth. But um, really, the choice before us, and really what the American dream, the American experiment, has been about is is this has been an experiment in self government. Mm-hmm. And self government means uh, <laughs> that idea. By the way, comes from a strong Christian worldview because what it says is. If you can govern yourself under God, um, then that leads to amazing freedom and liberty in a society, and your ability to self-govern leads to great prosperity, not only for you, for your family, for your kids, uh, and for our nation. Of course, the alternative to self-government is rule by a, a uh, you know top-heavy federal government that imposes everything top-down. Uh, and we've seen, again, you and I have talked about this before, the history of governments has not been pretty. Right. The history of governments leads usually towards uh, totalitarian kind of excesses and abuses. Um, and so the American experiment has been an opportunity for us to really demonstrate before a world that when Jesus is Lord of me, Jesus is Lord of you, we're able to govern ourselves. We don't need all kinds of laws, regulations, rules. We don't need a heavy-handed, top-down um, government uh, uh, imposed type of living. We're able to live as free men. Yeah, I think the founding fathers understand that dependence equals control. If you are, uh, you know, you can sucker someone in by dependence on you, right. you know, uh, and and at one point you realize, no, I have absolute control over this person because they have, uh, they've relinquished all self-government, all self-control, and I'm the su- I'm their sustenance. So what looks like a blessing, I'm, I'm here to help you. Yeah really quickly translates into I'm here to control you yeah because once I once you receive from me you know I'm in I'm in the driver's seat in right. fact you know I was just thinking as you were saying that and it's a great point the Bible uses uh, the whole principle of of how the borrower mm-hmm. is slave to the lender yeah so the lender comes along and says I'll help you you can build your house I'm going to hand you some money but now you're going to be dependent upon me to not only pay that money back but pay it back with interest yeah. uh, and that's the way uh, governments work so uh, it's easy, man. It seems so appealing that the government's going to solve our problems. The government's going to care for us. The government's going to serve all of our needs. But really, from a Judeo-Christian standpoint, that is bold-faced idolatry. Well, I, I think there is a there is a mechanical 
aspect to the borrowing and get, and giving control. But there's an emotional aspect or a spiritual aspect that we I think a lot of times we don't consider. You know, yeah. as as parents, uh, for a child to grow up, we want the children to be less dependent on the parents, right? When they're younger, you got to change their diapers, you got to take them to the bathroom, you got to bathe them, put them in the bed. But as they get older, as I'm experiencing right now, I'm hoping for for less dependence on me. <laughs> That's a sign of maturity. Yeah. That's a sign that, as, that the child is growing. Let's look at it as, as a nation. Yeah. <laughs> as a nation, are we growing in maturity? Yeah. What's a sign that maturity is less dependent on someone who can just print money and pass it out? The, but the sign of healing our nation our nation is mm-hmm. not a six trillion dollar government spending plan mm-hmm. that creates a, a whole host of expansion in government programs. That's a sign of a weak and a pathetic nation yeah. that we have to have the government somehow redistributing wealth and giving us handouts simply to survive. That's not a sign of strength. That's certainly not a recipe for healing a nation. That's actually a sign of creating a greater dependency, as you said. It, it, what's happening in America right now is the picture of, of the uh, you know 40-year-old son who's living in his mom's basement, spending mm-hmm. his day playing video games while he's waiting for his, his government-sponsored you know, uh, check to show up. Yeah. Uh, and that's not health at all. And that's kind of an ugly picture, but that's really a picture, I think, of what America is starting to look like yeah. now. And, and, and people think about it like economically. I, I We as pastors think about it, I, at least I think, about it emotionally because you know what this d- does is the, it stagnates the emotional development of our people so that they start taking that responsibility not just in their job but with their marriages with their children with their own spiritual development with their own emotional development yeah. and as a whole that's that's not that's not healthy for people as no. a community no and and what it is as I shared the root of this is it's fundamentally idolatrous it basically says uh, instead of in God we trust mm-hmm. It says in the federal government we trust. And I'm just saying that God God will not allow that to go on for very long because of his glory and because of the greatness of his name and because God's not going to allow any any uh, government of man to replace who he is. In fact, you know, there's a lot of mockery today for Christians. You know, when we say we're trusting the Lord for our health, we're trusting the Lord, don't live in fear, um, you know, especially as it relates to a lot of the, the pandemic hysteria that's going on. Um, we're openly mocked by secular folks um, who know better. Uh, we might want to say, in science, we trust. And again, there, there is no, um, there is no uh, divide between good science and Christianity. In fact, Christianity has led to scientific development. Any, anytime you hear anybody suggest Christians are anti-science, that's, that's ridiculous. We're anti-scientism. We're, we're not naturalists. Uh, but we are great scientists, and we have a great history that's rooted in an understanding of a Judeo-Christian view uh, of the world. Um, but anyway, that's the false dichotomy. And so we see a lot of people living in fear, a lot of people who are concerned, who want to give their lives away to experts. I've even seen this in the church. I've seen pastors who won't make decisions and won't lead. They they look to lo- local uh, school boards to make decisions. They look to lawyers. They look to insurance companies. But the bottom line is we should be self-governing under God. Uh, We should be living our lives out in freedom. uh, And all of that right now is under attack. I came across a great meme, uh, and I hope you can relate to this. It says, if you allow the government to break the law during an emergency, they will create emergencies to break the law. Uh, It's amazing. We've witnessed during the, the pandemic, right, 
this incredible appetite for governments, whether it's federal governments, state governments, or local governments, to gravitate towards uh, control, almost like a bloodthirst, you know. And I have been encouraged. I want to get to, to what's going on here in the state of Indiana, um, because in the state of Indiana, they have pushed back and curtailed some of the quote, emergency powers of our elected officials. And we all agree, you know, these emergency powers were primarily created for, for war. If a hostile nation attacks us, we don't have time to pull together, you know, all of our elected officials and to deliberate. And I mean, th those are the types of things the emergency powers were really created for. And it makes sense. You know, sure. at a time like that, sure. we've got to trust our president. We've got to trust our governors or whoever the, the executive branch is. The problem's been, as we've talked about, these emergency powers have been going on for over a year now. Right. And they're no longer really, they don't really fall under the spirit of emergency powers. Emer emergency means something's happening now, act. You know, you got to act. And of course, you got to empower people to act. But after the initial threat, whatever that was, we've certainly had the time, you know, to pull back together. And here's, here's been the issue. If we're a government by the people, we have a representative form of, of government that they represent us. In other words, the people that are sitting in office right now got there because we've, we as a majority voted to put them in, in power. And, uh, and what I have been screaming about is that local health departments should not have the authority to make policy. In other words, to shut down businesses, to tell you how many people you can have in your restaurant, to, to mandate that you have to wear a mask. Now, again, if, if a private business wants to do any of those things, they can do that. But the, but a, an unelected health department mm -hmm. should not be empowered because they're, quote, experts uh, or think that they're experts. They should not be empowered to have that kind of unilateral decision-making authority to destroy your business or to curtail how you run your business all under the name of public health. And that, to me, has been incredibly terrifying that we that we as citizens would allow uh, that uh, you know to happen or to empower these folks. And so, um, recently, State Enrolled Act Number Five uh, was passed, um, and here's what it says: the new law mandates the local governing body overseeing a county or city health officer approve any health order whose provisions go beyond state requirements during an emergency, such as continuing a face mask mandate or business capacity restrictions amid the COVID-19 pandemic uh, now that the governor's directives on those issues have expired. Um, Senator uh, Chris Garten, a Republican, said this, um, an appointed local health officer should not have the power to impose restrictions, close businesses, endanger livelihoods, or limit personal freedom without first obtaining the consent and support of local elected officials. He said, um, this, this bill serves as a critical check and balance. Uh, local health officers right now have unparalleled authority. And I would say a hearty amen to this. Um, again, who should be making these decisions locally? Elected officials who are accountable to the citizens. Yeah. Uh, so I applaud our Indiana State Legislature. I think this is a really, really good thing. This is a liberty, you know, promoting thing, uh, and I'm all for it. Um, but has this law actually passed? Because it looks like does the whole come veto it? 
Well, but what's happened is in our legislature, there's been a number of things where the governor has tried to veto any type of curtailing of his authority or of the, I'll speak positionally, of the governor's authority for future, you know, uh, governors. And uh, all of those have been um, overridden. Overridden, okay. Uh, so I think we're in really, really good good state here. Um, yeah, it says, uh, uh, notwithstanding, governor's uh, May 4th veto of the proposal. So anyway, I think that's going to be happening, which I'm really, really excited about. Um, a greater uh, concern that I have is, uh, you know, Christians have been, uh, and by and large, a little bit hesitant of this vaccine. But but here's the thing that should, should concern all of us who are part of promoting a Christian worldview. I've got two articles here. One says, New York Times blames, quote, white evangelicals. I think that would be us. Uh, and their beliefs for dragging out the pandemic. Uh, here's another uh, article, white evangelical resistance is an obstacle to the vaccination effort. Um, so now we're being targeted that somehow, uh, because we have questions against why, and, and I think here's a deeper issue at stake. Mm -hmm. Whatever your reasons or whatever my reasons, the point is we should be able to be empowered to make our own personal health decisions about what we inject into our bodies or whether we uh, want to be vaccinated for flu or not. I mean, this happens every year. There's flu shots, you know, the local drugstore, flu shots. Some people want to go get their flu shot. My mama will get her flu shot every <coughs> year. I don't have a problem with that. But the point is, we've never seen such a heavy-handed to where now we're saying not only should you, it, it, Joe Biden says it's the patriotic thing to do. Now, so now it's attached to patriotism. Uh, but now it's also we're being accused of dragging out this process simply because we're not being vaccinated. But even in the process of all this argumentation, there's such blatant hypocrisy and such irrational arguments, of which we'll highlight in a moment. Um, but do you feel like uh, the white evangelicals are causing a health crisis in America to go on and on and on simply because we have questions about a vaccine? Well, I think it's propaganda. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah. And, and, well, I, and it's narrative, I, whatever you want narrative you want to yeah. throw out there. Yeah. And I agree with you. But but the scary thing is, I mean, and again, this is on a much greater level. Please don't misunderstand. But it's interesting, you know, during during Hitler's rise to power, it was always the Jews who were the scapegoat. And then later it became it became the evangelical church who failed to go along with the narrative. Um, we're not certainly at that level, but I, I, anybody with uh, an ounce of discernment can see that the uh, the signs of that are all around us, you know, the beginning stages of something like that. But hey, I'm grateful for Ron Johnson. Thank God for Ron Johnson. Of course, I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about Senator Ron Johnson from uh, the great state of Wisconsin, which by the way, um, uh, uh, under the Trump administration, we uh, were invited out to a briefing. And as I'm getting ready to go into the, the White House briefing area, up to the uh, gate, the check-in gate comes Ron Johnson. And uh, I told him, I said, this is really wild that I happen to be here providentially <laughs> while my namesake is showing up to gain entrance into the White House. Uh, but anyway, he, he, he was gracious enough to take a nice picture with me there. Um, and I'm grateful that uh, the information I'm sharing here is pro Ron Johnson. I don't have to, uh, I don't have to attack my own namesake, all right? Mm -hmm. But this is the article. It says, Fauci hits out at Senator Ron Johnson for questioning push to make sure everyone gets the vaccine. And I want you just to listen. Uh, here, here is a U.S. senator, a business leader, 
obviously somebody who's not anti-science or even anti-vaccine. What he's anti against is this crazy, you know, uh, almost mandate uh, from the left that you're going to get vaccinated. We're going to force you to get vaccinated. We're going to push, you know, uh, you can't travel unless you're vaccinated, uh, you know, passports kind of stuff. I mean, crazy heavy-handed obsession with this vaccine. And the question we all should be asking as thinking, rational, common sense driven people is why. And I'm quoting uh, the senator here. He says, the science tells us the vaccines are 95% effective. So if you have a vaccine, quite honestly, what do you care if your neighbor has one or not? I mean, we just got to kind of pause right there. This argument could also go for mask wearers. Sure. Yeah. So if you are vaccinated, why in the world do you give a rip whether I am? And if you believe your mask works, why don't you just function with your mask? Why do you have to uh, demand that I wear a mask like you if the mask is valid or if the vaccine is valid? I mean, this is a great question. If you believe in your vaccine, then get a vaccine. Uh, and if the vaccine is there to protect you, then why are you worried about anybody else who chooses not to, wear, to, to get a vaccine or to wear a mask. Right. He says, what is it to you? You've got a vaccine, and science is telling you it's very, very effective. So why this big push to make sure everybody gets a vaccine? And it's to the point where you're going to shame people, and you're going to force them to carry a card to prove that they've been vaccinated so that they can stay in society. I'm getting highly suspicious of what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Would that pretty much sum up kind of your heart on the issue as far as, and I believe the heart of many, many people in America? Uh, that and more, I yeah. mean, kind of. But it seems, I mean, the, the fact that here's a U.S. senator who's suspicious, and you talk about somebody who's on the insider's track, I mean, this would be our, our, our U.S. senator. He's suspicious of what's behind all of this. Let me just say some other things, you know. I just read where three um, uh, students were expelled from, I believe it was the University of Massachusetts. Ready for this? They were found outside. Here's their crime. They were found outside not wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. Now, again, so, so they're kicked out of school. This is that public shaming he's talking about. You won't go along with the narrative. You won't wear your mask. You won't get your vaccine. Uh, so now we're going to kick you out of school. Um, he went on to say this. Everyone should have the right to gather information, to consult with their doctor, and to decide for themselves uh, whether to get vaccinated. He said, I strongly supported Operation Warp Speed, which was, again, the big push to develop a vaccine, and, and celebrated its astonishingly rapid success. Now I believe government's role, and therefore my role, is to help ensure transparency so that people have as much information as possible to make an informed decision. Ready for this? For themselves. That is the essence of self-government. You make an informed decision for yourself. And I just want to say this. This has been our approach at Living Stones. We have not micromanaged people. We've not shamed people. We've not had mask mandates. We've not had social distancing mandates. We have been open, and what we have basically told you is, uh, irregardless of how old you are or how young you are, uh, we believe the Scripture gives you and uh, as an individual and gives parents the authority to make decisions for your family, for your children, 
uh, as seniors, uh, God help us that we're treating you like infants and we're telling you where you can and cannot worship and how you can worship and when you can worship and all these things. This is nothing uh, but an overreach because we're stepping into realms of authority uh, over which you have no business messing with. I, as a pastor, I don't have the authority to tell you whether or not you should or shouldn't come to church or what you should wear when you come to church. Now, once you get here, we have the authority to lead. And we've decided, you know what, we're going to continue to worship and we're going to continue to lead. But we're not going to insult you or micromanage your life or, or encroach your conscience before God uh, to, to tell you how to live or, or, or whatever uh, you need to do to come worship. Any more than the federal government under the uh, the notion that somehow they're they're trying to protect you or trying to help you or trying to serve you or whatever, uh, they do not have the authority to dictate these types of things in your life. Uh, and you need to fight for the freedom, again, that our founding fathers gave to us as an understanding that we are under God and that our liberties come from God and that we re directly report to God. So I think Senator Ron Johnson is right on as it relates to this mandate. Uh, and once again, I just saw where Fauci is now saying uh, he was asked, you know, during Mother's Day, uh, by next Mother's Day, what do we? What should we look out for? What should we expect? And this is what he said. Well, I hope to be somewhat back to normal by next Mother's Day, but there will be some restrictions. And one of the things that he brought up, and are you ready for this? I can see it coming a mile away. I can smell it coming a mile away. That every flu season, we may be having to wear masks, which means the a whole mask mandate is not going to go away if liberals have their way, if godless government officials have their way, you're gonna, this is gonna be the new normal. And I've told you, we have to resist this, we must fight against this. God forbid that every flu season, some some well-meaning uh, uh, you know, medical person or a government official is going to be nicely not only suggesting, but mandating uh, that you must wear a mask to function in larger society. If we roll over and accept it now, this is going to become a new reality. I don't know about you, but I'm sick of it already. And, and I, re I refuse this to be a new normal, all right? Um, just to show you how crazy it gets, I don't know if you saw this, but this was the headline. Government to approve hugging and kissing in England. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word. There's actually, in case you all weren't aware of this, in England, you're not allowed to hug and kiss. Uh, of course, it's for your health, uh, but you're not allowed to hug or kiss. And can I just say, our, our institutions of higher learning are not institutions of higher learning at all. It's not critical thinking. It's not even common sense. It is full-blown stupidity. Let me read for you. This is the University of Leeds professor, Caroline Noakes a member of the government advisory body, said to avoid hugging people, quote, too frequently. So now, <laughs> what in the world is too frequently? Now we got government officials telling us how much the frequency rate of which we can actually hug somebody, even in our own family. She said this, it would worry me, God forbid that Catherine is worried, it would worry me if we were advocating that we can hug all of our friends every time we meet them again, she told BBC News, keep it short. Try to avoid being face-to-face. -face. So perhaps turn your face away slightly. Even wear a mask when you hug. Isn't it wonderful that we actually have 
university professors and government officials and health department people that are so micromanaging our lives. Because look, we talked about the health of our nation. We're so pathetic now. We can't even figure out whether we can hug somebody. And if we do hug somebody, we need the government giving us instructions about the frequency and about the angle of our head and about how long and how often. Folks, we are free people. This is, this is ridiculous that anybody would submit to this kind of uh, egregious government uh, intrusion into your life. But this is happening over the pond. Thank God we, have a re we had a revolution that delivered us from this nonsense. But nevertheless, it's creeping over, not, not only from uh, uh, England and Europe, but now it's gotten, getting real close because now the Canadian insanity is uh, getting closer and closer. Few, I think it was our last episode, we talked about this Canadian pastor who had government of health department with a, a whole um, you know, group of police officers who came on Easter Sunday and tried to shut down you know, the service on that particular Sunday morning. Well, it's not over yet. I don't know if you saw it. Did you see the video? Nope. Unbelievable. <laughs> so there's a video out now. I encourage you to get online and, and find it. Um, but basically, this same pastor who told the health department and the police to get off the property and to stop interrupting worship, this same police officer is on tape now, a SWAT team in Calgary, pulled over this man after church. He's driving home, pulled over this man, and it's not one police car. Uh, it's at least six or eight. Uh, it's like this guy is a major criminal, uh, an FBI most wanted. This is a pastor who just got done leading a worship service. He's pulled over, taken out of his car, handcuffed. Uh, he, as he's kneeling, he's kneeling down because he wants the police to carry him. He's not going to help them. They pick him up, they carry him, and they arrest him uh, for. And I, I'm going to I'm going to read this here. Um, arrested with here's the charge: organizing an illegal in-person gathering. We would call that having church. The Canadians are now calling that an illegal in-person gathering. And of course, the reason it's illegal is that somehow this pastor leading his small flock of people is a public health threat to the entire nation and perhaps the world, I guess, at this point. Um, and, uh, and I don't know about you, but that to me is appalling and it's getting closer. It's one thing to think about that in some communist country uh, in the Soviet bloc or whatever. But when you're looking at this type of behavior, just to the north or uh, to our friends in Canada, uh, that to me is sobering. Uh, this is happening. Uh, I, I, I was appalled. Uh, so anyway, but I want you to notice their justification. Our primary role is and always will be keeping all Albertans safe. Uh, when the government steps in and tramples your liberties under the guise of keeping you safe, I don't think they were keeping him safe, and I don't think uh, that's what safe looks like, and I don't think that's what liberty looks like, but that's what's happening, again, just to the north. And and, and I don't know, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not fearful, but I am concerned because I'd be, I would be doing the same thing that pastor is doing uh, if that were to happen in America. We've already, we've already drawn our line in the sand. Um, we will not be you know, tolerating that. And what I want people watching this podcast to realize is this is a matter of life and death for us and for, for the really what I believe the future of America 
depending on how we t how this happened, what we were allowing to happen, and whether there's any kind of pushback. Um, and I just want to mention too, uh, I am grateful that after the um, uh, Biden administration comes into office and starts, you know, uh, uh, pushing forward with a lot of these crazy uh, government um, intrusive policies and, and government dependent kind of policies, what we're seeing is a lot of states are pushing back and passing laws that are directly in the face, basically saying whatever you're trying to do at the federal level, we are outlawing at the state level. Mm -hmm. And that to me is one of the geniuses of our system of government, the checks and balances, that the states have the power to curtail uh, government intrusion from the federal level. And one example of that, which I was really, really encouraged about, was uh, government, uh, Governor DeSantis, uh, who warned Antifa to stay out of Florida. He said consequences will be swift and uh, severe. Um, here's a great example of government doing what government's supposed to be doing, which is protecting the rights of its citizens. How about this? Protecting our borders, protecting national security, and making sure that attacks on uh, people and property are met with swift and severe punishment. In other words, you're not, you can have a peaceful protest in America. What you can't do is I can't burn down your business and I can't attack you. Mm -hmm. uh, you're an innocent citizen and you have the right to run your business. That's your property. Government's job is to protect private property, not to allow it to be destroyed in the name of, um, of protest or whatever. So I applaud Governor DeSantis. I applaud the Florida legislature because uh, basically he's saying um, uh, you cannot do what they're doing in Portland. You cannot run around burning down cities and destroying people and property and expect to get away with it. He said the minute you harm somebody else or you harm somebody else's property, uh, you do those types of things. The only way we're going to put a stop to it is to have very swift penalties for it. I applaud this because we're seeing uh, lawlessness and chaos and anarchy uh, in the streets of America, especially in our urban uh, democratic-led cities. I need to say that because it's democratic policies that are helping to create the problems in these cities. Uh, and we're having lawlessness and concerns. And, what, and here's the sad part. What you're going to see is you're going to see a flight uh, out of these cities. Uh, businesses leaving, people leaving. And it's not going to help our cities. It's, it's going to end up being worse for our cities because of the lawlessness, you know, that we're allowing. Um, so anyway, I, I appreciate that type of a response. And uh, and it is a, a time now, I think, in America for us to, to rise up and say enough is enough and get back to articulating and trumpeting, you know, the values that have made this nation great and the principles that come from God's word that have made this nation great. Um so anyway, I guess I guess I'm, I I saw two different things. We saw some states that are outlawing um, critical race theory. Now we're seeing other liberal states like Washington that just keep digging the hole deeper, and they're actually mandating the teaching of that um, uh, theory in public schools and everything else. Which you know, as I shared on one of my posts earlier, when you have have a theory or a teaching or or a, a, a an indoctrination that basically teaches students to believe that America is evil and wicked and poisoned, you know, poisons their heart towards America. How do you have a nation for very long if you're training your young people to hate the very nation 
you know, that they're living in. It doesn't make any sense at all. And that's what critical race theory does. It poisons, it divides, it's everything is viewed through a racist lens, an oppressive, oppressor kind of lens. Um, and we should be, I, I hope Indiana will follow uh, suit and pass some legislation that makes it illegal for this type of of, uh, of poison to be in the minds and hearts of our public school students. So anyway, a lot going on, but the crux of the issue today, uh, I believe, can be boiled down to this. Are we going to be a nation under God uh, with our consciences free to live out our lives, to make our choices uh, before the Lord as, as free individuals, or are we going to continue to worship at the altar of an ever-increasing, bloated, idolatrous uh, self, uh, national government that continues to weaken us and continues to force us, and, and in many situations we brought up today, to worship at the altar of government. So let, let's be strong. Let's have a voice. Let's continue to stand. Let's continue to make a difference with our lives. Uh, let's continue to push back. Uh, it's now or never. So I don't know if you got a final comment on that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think we just, people need to realize that government of the consent, I mean, yeah, uh, government should govern with with the cons <coughs> the consent of the people, and if we don't consent, we gotta make our voice known. And they are not king, and they don't know better. Um, so we need to push back. Absolutely. And every time you see a government program, you know, like like Ronald Reagan's favorite, you know, line, whenever government says, "Hey, we're from the government, we're here to help you," run the opposite direction. You know, right now. Um, with what this trillion dollar infrastructure bill, which again, very little of it has to do with infrastructure. Most of it is a, a liberal uh, uh, slush fund for creating all kinds of programs that create dependence and break down the local family, break down marriages, create government dependence. These are the kind of things that we've got to uh, vocalize, speak out against, get involved. You know, we have a midterm election coming up here uh, and not too long, it can't come fast enough. Hopefully we can regain at least a balance of power in Washington, D.C., uh, or begin pushing back the other direction. But I just want to remind you, too, that the hope for America is not federal government or government policies. The hope for America is people coming back to Jesus, people experiencing uh, spiritual renewal. Uh, and I've said this um, at the National Day of Prayer last week. I, I believe that we don't have to have a doom and gloom perspective on our nation, that honestly we could be uh, believing the Lord for one of the greatest revivals we've ever seen because whenever the devil overplays his hand, it, he shows that he does not do anything but lie, kill, steal, and destroy. Only Jesus and only the principles of God's word can lead to life abundantly. That's the message of the church. But I, here's what I want you to hear. This is what this podcast is about. It's not just the message of the church for the church in the church. This is a message for the world. We should be trumpeting the fact that our worldview, hands down, leads to life and leads to blessing, leads to prosperity, leads to, to human flourishing. That is our unashamed message. That's the life Jesus brings, not just to Christian people. He brings that to anybody who will hear and, and submit to his rule and reign. And so that's the message of good news. It's a message we need to be trumpeting now, but you don't trumpet the message uh, when you can't hear anybody because you're hiding behind a mask and you can't go out in public and you can't hug people and you can't have church. That's not, that's not trumpeting the message. You trumpet the message by standing in resistance 
to some of these heavy-handed government intrusive policies, uh, and you stand as somebody who promotes liberty and justice for all. That is our message. That's the message of our founders. That's the genius of America, and that is the kind of life we're committed to. So there is no new normal, all right? There is no uh, yearly flu season uh, government intrusion into our lives unless you allow it. And I want to encourage you, let's not allow it. Continue to stand for liberty, irregardless of what the doom and gloom people want to put on us. We certainly are not going to take the blame as the New York Times and some other liberal uh, newspapers want to put the blame on Christians for simply standing up for liberty. Never, ever be ashamed. Uh, of your liberty. Never let someone tell you that you demonstrating your liberty is an act of selfishness. It is not. It is what's pre preserving America and will and will preserve the liberties for, for us and for our children and for their children. So stand strong, rally together, let's unite under the lordship of Jesus, and let's be part of the solution that America needs. All right, until we meet again, let's continue to pray for revival, share the good news of Jesus with people. Let's be as part of the solution, not part of the problem. We look forward to having you join us next week.